Previously on Funny Science Fiction. Kid is weird. He sits in his room and talks to himself. Why doesn't he play ball? Hello, and welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast that you wish was a little more timey-wimey and a little less wibbly-wobbly. So our special guest today, our special guest host today, rather, is Kathleen Wass. Kathleen is the wife of John and mother to a spawn that will ultimately give her a complete mental breakdown. <laughs> hey, at least the kid is super cute, though. You know, the cuteness is what saves her. But Ferb, I know what we're going to do today. We're going to talk with Dan Povenmire. That's, That's right. Me. That's right. Dan Povenmire, the co-creator of Phineas and Ferb and the beholder of that Dr. Doofenshmirtz lovely singing voice. The singing voice of a generation used by possibly dozens for mood music. I mean, come on. It could happen. It could be a thing. Yes. Welcome, welcome to the show, Dan. I'm hoping. That's, uh, that, that, that's what I'm hoping for. Is Who needs the, Luther Vandross when you've got Dr. my twilight years uh, singing old sta- jazz standards in a Mama <laughs> Inn somewhere in Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> so. You know, I will admit that I am super geeked to get to host, to co-host today. I am a huge Phineas from Ferb fan. I have seen every episode at least twice. I actually Excellent. had a beta named after Perry. Because he would frequently, he would frequently a beta fish, the little blue guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he would frequently disappear in our tank, and then it was the yes. where's Perry. <laughs> but you know, I wanted to talk about Doctor Doofenshmirtz just a little bit because yeah. through the seasons, he gets some pretty interesting, tragic backstories. Yes, you have he does. a favorite one? Oh, the, there's there's a lot of the the balloony one is is oh. is great. I love the original one because that's the one that because because that wasn't even something Swampy and I came up with. That was. Uh, uh, Chris Hedrick and John Barry were a storyboard team and they pitched us, you know, they were doing this episode where he was just destroying all the lawn gnomes in the tri-state area. And they said, why? And I said, I don't know, make something up. If you need a reason, do you need a reason? And they were like, well, maybe. And then they pitched us that whole, you know, our Zotzen fruit garden from witches and wood trolls. And, uh, and they pitched that to us and, and Swampy and I were like literally crying, laughing because it was just so, perfectly like dark and dystopian and, and, and wonderful and uh, and so that stayed in and then the next one they pitched that didn't have a, a backstory in it we were like we, we're like where's the backstory and they're like oh i didn't, didn't realize it was thing it's like well it is now yes <laughs> you're gonna have to do that from now on in and uh you know the, the, that's the great thing about doing a show when you bring in other people because swampy and i did the the pilot just the two of us and then you brought you bring other in other people to play in your sandbox, and, and so much of the things that have become staples of that show, like you know, Doofenshmirtz trying to take over the tri-state area, and and uh, and the you know giant floating baby head, and the, the <laughs> zebra that calls Candace Kevin. These are all things that come from other people's brains, and then you like it so much that you that that the other writers like, oh, I want to use that. I want to use that. I want to use that. Mm. It's uh, uh, it's really fun, but that's where that came from originally. I, uh, I so I have a, a fondness for the original, uh, and I have a fondness for there's there's one that uh, that just kept going like, like tangenting off, and was again it was one that, that John Barry wrote where you know he went off like okay that that the reason is is unimportant. I was I was I had been disowned by my parents and I was being raised by ocelots, but anyway, like it was, yeah. it was just. 
where it just like kept on, okay, long backstory short. And he just keeps coming back <laughs> to the thing and then going off on a tangent. I loved that one a lot. And I, and I, and I especially love when, uh, when he invents the invisibility ray because, and he tells this whole story of the Fireside Girls, and it's not even a back back story. It happened like the week before where the Fireside Girls come over and are, 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 are trying to sell him cupcakes. And he's like, and, and they come here, Dorn, and you've left the window, the window blind open so they can see you. They can see you. You can't even pretend that you're not there. So I'm just going to shoot them with a with a uh, uh, invisibility ray so that I don't have to look at them. So uh, I, I, th those are probably my big three. Nice. So I have a question for Dr. Yes. Schmertz. Yes. Perry always seems to foil your plans with a push of a button. And the public wants to know, why do you put a self-destruct buttons on your innators? I think it's, it's only prudent. I mean, I would rather have a self-destruct button and not need it that need one and not have it, right? Fair enough. Oh, um, solid logic. You can't make, you can't make an innator without a self-destruct button. How would it even function? Everything goes, everything's wired through the self-destruct button. All right. And you have a pretty impressive list of things that you've worked on over the years. Of course, there's the Simpsons, Family Guy, SpongeBob, and of course, all of our favorite, Phineas and Ferb. Now, one of the things I love about your work is the way that you've worked music and songs into each of the shows, such as um, Campfire Song Song, yes. which my kids sing non-stop. <laughs> I so, apologize. So thanks for that. But uh, ultimately, my favorite is the Aglet song from Phineas and Ferb. Yes. I, I walked around singing that <laughs> for, not, for quite a while, nonstop. Yes, um, I, I had, I'll, I'll be honest. I had very little to do with the Aglet song. That was okay. uh, that was uh, uh, Piero and John uh, wrote that. The only thing I did, uh, which they didn't even like, was I had a, had them say when when they sing A G L E T. I had the audience then say Aglet, don't forget it. <laughs> and they were they were like, no, I like it better because they had the, the the spelling go on on longer or something. I don't even remember how they originally uh, had it. it. Was I think it was just A G L E T, don't forget it. When and I was like, no, it should be A G L E T, Aglet, don't forget it. And because uh, I feel like if you spell something to a crowd of people and they don't then say what that word is. That's just objectively wrong. <laughs> I, think, I think that just doesn't happen. You don't spell something to a group of people and they don't say the word back. Plus, I wanted kids to remember what an aglet was. So, uh, you know, you got to say it a bunch of times in a song. I've never I, forgotten. <laughs> I have to admit, I told a lot of people what an aglet was because of that. Yes. Right? But exactly. So <laughs> I, I walked around saying, do you know what an aglet is? I do. I, I watch Phineas and Ferb. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, especially when people are like, why would you watch Phineas and Ferb? It's like, I learned a thing. Yes. I learned what an aglet was. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a there's a thing on TikTok right now where it's there's that trend of tell me this without telling me this. And, and, the, and the trend is tell me you're a Phineas and Ferb fan without telling me you're a Phineas and Ferb fan. And one my favorite reply to that was a girl who just like stitched herself in and she's just looking at her shoe and says, Oh man, my aglet is coming off. And that was it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's I was like, yeah, that tells it. That tells it. That's brilliant right there. Yeah. So on the topic of music with Phineas and Ferb, 
So yes. the title sequence is performed by Bowling for Soup, which is yes. not a band I would normally associate with a kids program. Yeah. How did they get chosen to be the to the, be the band for that? Were there other bands in consideration? Well, well, I was a I was a big fan of Bowling for Soup uh, for a while before that. And I mean, there were a bunch of names that got thrown out and I just said, ooh, can we, you know, and somebody said Bowling for Soup because they have that sort of crunchy pop mm -hmm. uh, thing that sort of works with that song. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah, can we, can we get them? And, and they were like really excited about it. I think they were big fans of, of The Simpsons and Family Guy, which I'd, I'd worked on. And uh, and Jarrett just came out and uh, hung out with us for a day, and then they they went back and uh, and and gave us that, which was uh, uh, which was which was really cool. We had we had written the song, but we had written it in a very different kind of uh, motif. It was sort of like old timey for the the original pilot. And then uh, Danny, our composer, had done this crunchy pop version of it. And we were like, that sort of sounds like Bowling for Soup. We should see if they'll they'll do it. And then Jarrett wrote a longer version that, that, we, that we put on the album. He added like a second verse and a, and a bridge and a, and a different chorus. It's, it's called uh, uh, Today is Gonna Be a Great Day, I think is what, it, is what, yeah. is what it's called. And, uh, but when they play at live places, you know, cause they, it's part of their set now because it's the thing that everybody sings along to. It's really cool when I go see Bowling for Soup and they're up there and and uh, and they sing that and everybody in the entire auditorium sings along. It's really really cool. It's uh, it's it's like a rock star star moment. I like their their great burrito extortion case was the first CD I ever bought for myself. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's a really great pop songwriter and and they're just a fun band to see live. Nice. If you haven't seen them live, go 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 see them. Well, I mean, nobody's live right now, so I would Whenever like to that see glorious day comes about. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> I would like to see like a, a line dance at like a wedding to the song, uh, "Bow Chicken Bow Wow." That's what my baby says. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a fun one. Yeah, that was uh, that. That's one of those just perfect little pop melodies that just popped into my head while I was playing the guitar is, uh, is, uh, is, is that one. And, uh, and we were just trying to come up with something that was like, what would be like, you know, like uh, the, the stupidest possible pop song we could write that would that just, you know, you just know nobody could get it out of their heads. And it was literally like the first thing that came, that came out as I was, as I was strumming and, uh, uh, and it's stood this test of time very well, I think. So I know that you probably get Phineas and Ferb questions all the time as we're here talking about Phineas and yes. Ferb. Do you have other projects that you want people to know about? Other projects that are like less known? Well, uh, our, our follow-up to Phineas and Ferb was a show called Milo Murphy's Law. We did with uh, with Weird Al Yankovic was the was the lead role, and it, it's it's all it's a perfect companion piece to Phineas and Ferb. Um, it's you know because Phineas and Ferb is all about super positivity from these kids um, while they're making everything. And, and, but for them, nothing ever really goes wrong. Everything goes wrong for Candace, but nothing goes wrong for them. And Milo's sort of the, the, the almost the same show, but of almost the opposite show at the same time, because it's all about everything going wrong for Milo and him staying super, super positive. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think it's every bit as good a show as Phineas and Ferb. When I watch those episodes, I'm, you know, I'm just as proud of them. 
but nobody ever really saw it because it was at this weird time in Disney TV animation history where, you know, they had just finally had a number one hit show in animation with Phineas and Ferb. And they decided, okay, this is great. Let's not do any more animation on the channel. Let's do it all on Disney XD and try to prop that channel up, which was always sort of their redheaded stepchild channel anyway that wasn't getting any of the, the promotional money that the, that the other one was. It was on most, you know, even on, on different cable s- systems, you'd have like all the kids show kids channels were all grouped together it was like Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Disney, uh, you know, D- Disney Junior were all like 432, 433, 434, 30, you know, like so that kids could just scroll up and down. And XD, I guess, had been bought later or started later. So it would be, you know, they'd be right there. And then like 1704 would be Disney XD. So if you, so if you didn't know exactly where it was, you were never going to find it. Right. And uh, and so it was just sort of problematic that they, that they had just put all their shows on that and occasionally would run them on Disney Channel instead of like, Phineas and Ferb was playing all the time on Disney Channel. You know, during the during the heyday of Phineas, if you turned on Disney Channel and just left it on for two hours, you would see that show. Right. And uh, and it was just very hard for them to find uh, Milo. So it never became the hit that you know. It has a very small but very rabid fan base. Who you know, just this year, renew MML Milo Murphy's Law was trending on Twitter all of a sudden, you know, for, <laughs> for some reason. And I was like, well, that's oh, cool. sort of cool. But uh, we did two seasons and we were out. Um, so th- that's the thing I wish people would discover, especially if, if you liked Phineas and Ferb. No matter what age you are, I think you would really enjoy uh, Milo Murphy's Law. I think it's, it, it's, uh, it's so much fun. And, uh, and I just wish it had gotten more respect. So Disney's greenlit your new project, Hamster and Gretel. They have. We're. I. That's why I was late to this podcast is because <laughs> we were in a writers' meeting for uh, for Hamster and Gretel, which uh, uh, which is so far so much fun. We're 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 having such a good time. We're we're way ahead of schedule on the on the scripts because all the writers just came in. I, th- I think partially because of COVID sort of shutting down everything. Everybody was like so raring to go that we all just jumped in. And, and uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, I can do something other than watch, you know, rewatch Game of Thrones or whatever the heck you're doing at, uh, at, uh, at home these days. And, uh, and so we're having a really great time. It's about, uh, um, uh, it's really about an older brother and a little sister the little sister has a has a um, a pet hamster, and uh, they get visited by aliens who uh, who um, tell them the two of you are going to be uh, are, are have been chosen to become heroes. We will bestow upon you powers unimaginable. And then they shoot them with this big ray, and and the older brother who's like all excited about this because you know like this is destiny. This is what I this is what I'm going to do. The powers unfortunately go on to on to uh gretel and her pet hamster and he doesn't get any and so you know as you can imagine that causes a little bit of friction so you see he sort of becomes the guy in the chair on the headset you know giving them directions and and you know he's, he's sort of the brains of the operation but but you know he always feels like he was passed over there was, there was this big mistake that he was supposed to get superpowers so so uh um, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. We're having a great time with it. Do you Excellent. guys have a premiere date for that? 
We do not, uh, but it, you know, we, we're just now writing it. Uh, it'll be probably at least a year. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, it, we're probably talking uh, 2022 at this, at this point, just because of how long everything, we, we haven't even got an art staff together yet. So, uh, okay. so it, it, ta- it takes a while. It, you know, a single episode of a series, of an animated series at, at, at Disney Channel at least, takes 10 months to produce. So it's oh, sort wow. of like having a baby every week, uh, oh. you know, with no epidural. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's like literally it, like, like, oh, if we got pregnant right now, uh, we would have our kid when the first uh, Hamster and Gretel, you know, like is finished and ready to go on the air. So, uh, so it's, it's, a, uh, it's a long laborious process. And people say, well, how do you get so many of them done? Well, it's like, well, we're, we're not doing one episode at a time. We're doing 20 different episodes at a time. So my job is often to go from, from thing to thing, to, from episode to episode to episode. I'm looking at one in, in premise, one in script, one in animatic, one, uh, one in, uh, 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 in pitched board, one in, uh, in color, one with sound effects, one with music, and one being being uh, uh, mixed. Wow. Every week, I'm doing, I'm checking in on those constantly, and uh, so it's it's a it's a crazy, ridiculous thing to do for a living, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds like it. You probably don't know the answer to this one yet, but will there be a Phineas and Ferb and Hamster and Gretel crossover? Oh, I would think there would be. I, I, I think that's a that's a pretty safe bet. I mean, we have no plans for one yet. It wasn't like Milo had a Phineas and Ferb crossover that we were planning from like the very first episode. The whole first mm-hmm. season of Milo builds to a big reveal at the end of the first season that really cements that they're really in the same in the same world. And I, and I think these guys are all in the same universe. Uh, you know, it's all, all this weird place in my mind that, uh, that all connects. <laughs> nice. All right. So Dan, I read a while back that one of your biggest influences in animation was Chuck Jones mm. and many have called That's... him the father of modern animation. Yeah. And now and for those who are listening, if you don't recognize who Chuck Jones is, it means you probably didn't watch a whole lot of Looney Tunes, uh, growing up. Um, so, but I did, and I love Chuck Jones stuff. So my question for you, Dan, is what was it about Chuck Jones that drew you in? What was about what about his work inspired you? Well, there were so many just great idea gags, gags that were all about the character of this certain person or or someone, and, so, and he would sometimes let gags take a long time to uh, to to land. And you know, like one of my favorite Chuck Jones gags was. Um, was Bugs Bunny convincing this guy that he, uh, like selling a piece of real estate to, to some guy who was trying to do something else and, and then cutting to him like later building this house and he's like, like halfway through building this house and he's, he's hammering on the stuff like that. And he just looks up, and it's like this gag that takes like 30 seconds to play out. <laughs> and it's just him like, looking around going wait a minute and it's just this music where he realizes that he's been had but it's like six months later he's built half a house at this uh, at, at this point and uh uh so, so what i love about chuck jones is he has this 
uh, ability to uh, get a, a huge laugh out of a pause and just a, a you know, like a, a half-litted, you know, slow burn that somebody gives somebody yeah, or, yeah. Or, ju or just no reaction whatsoever. So anyway, so that was something we tried to do a lot in Phineas was was get laughs out of a pause rather than than just saying something funny or doing something funny like just getting the reaction of somebody having having the least amount of reaction and first season i often had to go back into boards you know like a big boulder would fall down next to phineas and ferb and the guys would go like this and i would like no 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 that's not as funny as if they just go bam and it you know it lands and misses them by this much and they don't react at all that's a funnier reaction is nothing Absolutely. and it's less drawings so so we would uh, we would always go that way there you go now another thing that i had read about about you and and the, the beginnings of Phineas and Ferb is that it took you 16 years to get a network convinced that this should be a show that people would yeah. want to watch yeah. So I wonder, it is the, it was, it was like we, 13 before we convinced somebody to make it, but 13 or 14 before we convinced them, okay. it was like two more years to get on the air. But yes, it was a long time. Okay. So the show that we got to watch on TV, was it the same basic concept or were there some oh, modifications yeah. along the way? There are, there are very minor modifications. It didn't always take place in just summer. That was something that came out of the development thing. Isabella was, uh, was a, a new thing. Uh, Baljeet was a new thing. Uh, these were like that came out of doing the the pilot and, the, and and sort of just starting to write it. But if you look at the original pitch packet, you'll absolutely recognize the show. It, it feels very much like the same show. Um, okay. And the characters all look the same. It's you know it, it's uh, it's it's basically exactly the show we pitched. But you know things evolve as you're actually writing them, and 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 characters change and stuff like that. So as the imagination behind the show, I was just thinking about like some of the adventures I would have as a kid. What were some of the things that you would do during your summer vacation? <laughs> we were we were just uh, uh, I grew up in Mobile, Alabama. We were in like a little suburb way on the outskirts of town and in like three directions from the back of our house it was woods for as far as you could go as a, a, a as a kid i mean like, like like we were it would have been like 20 miles in any direction before you saw anything that you know like this this way was the rest of, of town and everything else was just woods and uh, and stuff like that and we had so many crazy things things that we did i was telling somebody today about uh, a time that me and two of my friends uh, crawled for six miles underneath uh, uh, Mobile uh, in the the drainage tunnels because we found these drainage <laughs> tunnels that were like five feet wide. And I was I was almost as tall as I am now. So we did the whole, you know, like we took sticks for rats and snakes and the flashlights <laughs> with just like one battery in the meat. You know? and, and, and like, we're doing like this through these tunnels. And then we came up and we were like, wait, that's, and we, we, we found like a drainage thing we could come up and look at it and it was like, wait, that's that's Overlook Church. That's like three miles from my house. <laughs> and, uh, and and we and we were able to lift the the uh, the uh, the manhole cover off and, and and like climb out and we were behind Overlook Church in this in this place, like behind a bunch of houses. It wasn't even on the street. It was like 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 a drainage thing that was like between the backyards of a bunch of houses. And there's the church that a buddy of mine's dad was the preacher at. And uh, and we and and we were like, 
we are way too far from home. We need to go back. <laughs> so we got back into the tunnels and went back through the tunnels. We didn't go, we didn't walk home, you know, like, like which would have been much easier and safer. And Mobile had, had constantly flooded, you know, like, you know, like the, the way the weather changed constantly there. And you'd have these flash floods. My parents were not happy to find out that, that we had done that. But, uh, but we, you know, we did a lot of, uh, you know, that, that's part of what Phineas and Ferb was sort of based on was like me and Swampy both had childhoods that, that where we had a lot of creativity, we didn't have, didn't have cable TV even yet to watch. So, so there wasn't a lot on TV for us except for specific times of the day. So, uh, so we would just go out and, and, and make up stuff, go out with friends and play mm -hmm. army or play cowboys and Indians or bad guys and, and, and cops or whatever. And, uh, or, or, and there was also in, in Alabama, there were, there were these red clay pits that just occur naturally there that uh, where, you know, erosion will do suddenly you, you come across, across these little grand canyons that are about 20 feet down. And then there's, you know, just places to go and, and do hide and seek and stuff like that. And we would always attach rubber hoses or something to a tree and rappel down into these places. It was, it was a, it was a really fun place to grow up and, uh, and, and just, uh, just go and, and have adventures and things like that. So, so it was sort of, that was sort of the, the, the impetus for Phineas and Ferb was like, you know, let, let's talk about what nine-year-old boys would get into if they were not hampered by schedule and the reality of physics and stuff like that. So uh, uh, that, that, that's what, that it was all sort of based on our summers growing up. Nice. That's really cool. So researching your almost three decades of work in animation yes. and voice acting, you've worked some, with some really big names. You've already mentioned Weird Al. Uh, you worked with Seth MacFarlane, Tommy Chong. Who, of all of these celebrities you've worked with, who was your favorite and why? And do you have any funny stories you can share about these celebrities? Ooh, um, Weird Al was really, really just great to work with. Uh, just one of my favorite people. He's super, super nice. He's super chill, which is like when people meet him, they're like, he was much more normal than I was expecting. <laughs> Weird, Weird Al would be super good guy. Um, Dietrich Bader is a very good friend uh, friend of mine. We we bonded over so much because we have very similar backgrounds. Both of us have two two sisters who are both PhDs, and we do something stupid for a living where we get paid more than they do. And uh, <laughs> and and he's just he's just one of the nicest guys you you you'd, you'd ever want to meet. Uh, got to write with Slash. We got to write a song with Slash from Guns N' Roses, which was okay, fun to find cool. out that he's a he's a cartoon fan. And he's a big fan of Phineas and Ferb, and we got to, oh, so cool. you know. And then you know the the funny thing is is uh, is Slash uh, when when Guns N' Roses got back together, or at least Slash and Axel patched up their stuff and got back together. Um, uh, we were in the middle of recording him for Milo Murphy's Law. He came in and did a, a, a get, did himself as as Slash for Milo Murphy's Law, and and uh, so we were, we heard a lot of that backstory of of how that happened. And then uh, he sent me an email and said, "Hey, do you want to go to Coachella? Our first big gig is going to be headlining Coachella. If you want to go to Coachella, I can send you uh, comps." And, I, and this is how I know I'm an old man, right? My first thought was literally, 
I don't know if I want to drive all the way out to Coachella. <laughs> it was like that was my that was my first thought was not holy crap you know it's, it's, it's Slash is inviting us to to Coachella and I and I I told my wife I was like honey do you Slash said he can send us tickets to to Coachella and we can go see them play if you do, do you want to go to Coachella do you like Honey, if Slash is inviting us, his, his personal guests to go see Guns N' Roses, I don't think that's even a judgment call. I think we have to make that happen. Right? <laughs> really? It's like, okay, yeah, okay, we'll do this. So we just went out, and it was the best possible way to go to Co Coachella as, I think I was like 50 years or, or something like that. And, you know, as two older people going to Coachella, we got there as the sun was going down behind the mountains, so it wasn't super hot. We got to park in VIP parking and go in through the backstage of all of these bands. We we got to go and we saw Ice Cube and and uh, and um, uh, oh what, what's the girl's name? She, she did that song "Closer" with the Chainsmokers. Um, oh, I know I should it, know it, but I'm it's not on the tip of my brain. But I, I'm a big fan of hers, which is why I, it's it's silly that I can't remember it. Uh, but she, uh, I got to see her. I got Halsey, is that right? Yeah, Halsey, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, and and we got to see like a couple EDM bands and stuff. We got to get really good sushi over by in the Rose Garden area. There were these pop up sushi places, and then we got to to go and go to the VIP section, which is down front and roped off, so you're not smashed all together. And see Slash play with Guns N' Roses, which I'd seen him play before. I've, I, you know, I've played guitar mm -hmm. next to Slash. I don't, you know, I, I try not to say I played guitar with Slash because it ma makes me sound like a much better guitarist than I am. <laughs> but uh, I've been in the room playing at the same time, on the same song. Um, and uh, Slash adjacent. Yes, exactly. But I'd never seen him play in a in a venue with where he was like the big thing, like like Guns N' Roses they had these huge screens and there's Slash's face up there on the screen and he's rocking out. And I'm like looking up there and I look behind me and there's a sea of people going off into the distance where, you know, past the, the horizon almost of people headbanging to, to Slash. And I looked up and I was like, Slash is at work right now. It's <laughs> a pretty surreal job, but Slash has a more surreal job than me. This is his work. And I told him that later and he said, no, 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 man. That the... The, that's the perks of my job is that I get to do that. Everything else is my job. Everything else is the work. You know, I'm not at work there. That's the, that's what I get to do because of the work that I do everywhere else. Uh, but, uh, but you know, th there've been some really great people that, you know, if I started listing all of the, the people, including Cloris Leachman, who just passed away, sure. I just, uh, I just did a TikTok telling a story about Clor Cloris Leachman when uh, on the last time we recorded her, um, for Phineas, she, um, I was walking her out to her car and she, and, and there's like a patio restaurant that's between the two studios. Um, and, uh, and we're walking past this patio and a bunch of people are at lunch and she's talking to me and she just veers off and she goes and she picks up somebody's tray of food that they've, they haven't even finished yet. And she's still having this conversation. She just picks it up and walks off with it and goes over to the trash and throws it away. <laughs> and never stops this conversation with me. And I'm looking back at them. They're all laughing because they were like, oh my God, Cloris Leachman just threw my food away. 
And, uh, you know, like they weren't upset about it at all. They were, you know, it made their day. And I know that's why she did it, because she knew that it would make their day. And it's nobody a, will you know. ever believe them. That's right. And I'm sure they're telling that story this this week now, too, because, you know, it's like, so it was it was very sad for me when she when she passed. She played Duvin Schmertz's mom, and she was my mom in the show, oh, yeah. which uh, which was cool. Excellent. And so, the fact that the fact that I lived a long enough life to have gotten to work with her, having like like my first TV show, you know, like adult TV show that I watched was Mary Tyler Moore, and you know, to follow her that whole time, and then actually get to work with her, she work she, with she, she was magnificent. Yeah, she was a great comedic actress for sure. So, the the other two people here already know this, but I am a massive Star Wars fan. Yeah, uh, more of a Star Wars nerd and a Marvel Comics fan, uh, to be honest. Yeah. Now those those crossover episodes. Thank you, Kathleen. You're those welcome. crossover <laughs> episodes that you did uh, with with uh, Phineas and Ferb and Star Wars and Marvel were kind of the cherries on top of all the other Phineas and Ferbs that I have watched either with or without my children over the years. Yeah. So you, you've kind of talked about this a little bit on TikTok already, but I was hoping that you could kind of share the story in, in more than a 60-second spree here. Uh, <laughs> how did you convince the folks at Lucas and Marvel, although part of the Disney family tree, to allow you guys to use those iconic characters for the greater good of humanity? Well, it was a much easier sell than I was expecting it to be. <laughs> I, I literally drew a picture of Doofenshmirtz as Darth Vader, and and sent it like we're in a mix and our post-production supervisor goes disney just bought lucasfilm it was like it had just come over the wire and so literally within a minute of that happening i had drawn this picture (laughs) taken a picture of it and sent it to the head of the studio saying i smell crossover and uh, (laughs) he go back and said no no i'm thinking the same thing right now and i'm here at lunch with gary who's the head of the channel and uh, we, we we both brought that up and apparently that friday they went into a meeting with the bob Iger, and at the end of the meeting he took his phone out with that picture on it and he just slid it across the thing and said Dan Povenmire sent me this and Bob went, yeah, we got to get on that right away. And that was, yeah. that was like, that's, that's the easiest anything has ever been sold. Uh, but, uh, but there's, there's a, there's a, um, there's a couple of really funny stories about that. There, there's, there's the, the, we were, we were writing the show and I had to, and we were not in a place where I could pitch the whole, the whole thing. And they, and they called me in to come in to a meet and greet with some of the Lucasfilm executives. And, uh, and the, the head of the studio was there, Eric was there. And, and they said, Eric wants you to come down and meet the Lucasfilm guys. And it's like, I'm not ready to pitch this show at all. We have a lot, a lot of big story holes that are not connecting. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're just, you know, we're in an early stage. And, uh, and, and she said, oh no, he knows, he knows. He just wants you to meet them. And apparently he didn't know that because I went in the meeting and I sat down and was like, hey, how's it going? And, and, uh, and he said, so can you just pitch us the, the, the story? And I was like, um okay and i do like i just started into it and because i was telling the story out loud i um i was able i i somehow sort of forced myself into fixing those story problems and i was able to tell them the whole story 
And then I was like, okay, thanks very much. And I went outside and I got a piece of paper and I wrote down what I had said because I was like, oh, don't let me forget this. Don't let me forget this. Because I'd come up with these really elegant solutions to the problems we'd been working on for two weeks. And uh, and I went back into the writer's room, okay, like this. And they were like, when did you come up with all of this? It was like, I was like, wow, I was pitching it. Um, but but my favorite story of that, uh, of that time was... Um, was you know it still needed an agreement between Lucasfilm and and Disney and they had pitched the idea that we would do this and Lucasfilm seemed really excited about it. a lot of the Lucas people were were fans of Phineas and Ferb and stuff and we and and we pitched them a a show that uh, that they liked the idea of because because their characters stayed exactly the same we 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 did a parallel story within the Star Wars. The, the first Star Wars movie where they're the next at the next ma- moisture farm over from uh, uh, from uh, from Luke Skywalker. And their whole thing is they would rather stay on Tatooine instead of, you know, he, he wants to go off and get off of Tatooine. And and they end up on this parallel story that keeps bumping into the original story. So we see bits of the original story and we see, oh, I guess while they were up here, he was, they were down there. You know, it's 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 a very complicated thing. Um, they were all excited about it, but they had not given us the official go ahead yet. And that got pushed off a couple of weeks and they kept saying, no, we're definitely sure it's going to happen. And we we're like, well, we have these five specials. The only one that's ready to go into production is Star Wars. And they said, tell you what, you can go ahead and start into production of it. If, if it all falls apart, we'll regroup and stuff. But here's the thing. The one thing that might queer this deal, the one thing that might stop this from happening it, is if it gets released at all that you guys are already working on it when we haven't officially okayed you to work on it. So I want you to tell your staff not to tell anybody about this. And so I called a meeting and I said, okay, the first rule of the Star Wars special is we do not talk about the Star Wars special. The second rule about, of the Star Wars special is we do not talk about the Star Wars. I don't want you to talk about to your, to your, to your, your hairdresser. I don't want you to tell your uncle or your aunt. I don't want you to tell anybody that we're doing this until we get the okay from this. And even then, Let's keep it quiet. We want this to be a, a, a secret. And everybody's like, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, absolutely, sure. We go home, or I, I go home, and I'm checking Twitter before we're going out to a dinner party. And somebody has, has added me and said, at uh, uh, Dan Poffenmeyer, please tell me this is really happening. And I, and I click on it, and there's a picture of some of our pre-production artwork. Oh no! <laughs> there's there's Darth like, like Ferb is Darth Maul leaping up and going to attack uh, uh, Phineas, who's dressed more or less like Luke Skywalker, and it's this piece that Kyle Menke, one of our board artists, did, and it, and it's obviously taken from one of our bulletin boards because there I can see the bulletin board on the outside of it and the pins stuck in it. Oh. And I'm like, who am I going to have to fire now? Like, like who is not paying attention to this? And I, so I click on it. And, you know, on Twitter, you can sort of backtrack to see who's like this. Right. Yeah. And suddenly it looks like somebody has 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 uh, bootlegged my my at because it's coming from my uh, uh, my uh, account on Twitter. It's like, and, and I was like, has somebody taken over my account? Because it really looks, it's got the blue check mark and, and wait a minute. I just click, click, click through and suddenly I went, uh-oh. And I look on my phone because I had taken three pictures of, the, of that artwork 
and sent it to my wife through text to show her what we were working on the week before. On my, on my outgoing messages, there were only two of them. So the third one, I had hit tweet on instead. Oh no. And tweeted it myself. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. And, I, and, and my wife is like, honey, we gotta go. We're, 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 we're late. And I'm like, uh, you're gonna have to hold on one second, honey. I'm in the middle of something. And she, and she said, uh, uh, and I was like, okay, okay. Like, and I'm like, and I'm thinking, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? If I take it down right now, everybody's going to know it was not supposed to be up. And people have definitely taken a screenshot of this, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to become this whole thing. If I take it down once, when somebody asks me about it, they're going to be like, oh my God, they're really doing this. And it's going to be talked about and stuff like that. Twitter is immediate, but it also falls off pretty quick. You know, it's, right. it's like the later stuff doesn't get back. You know, you don't go back and look at tweets from, from four weeks ago or something, something like that. So what, and the guy had just asked, I had tweeted it with nothing else. I, you know, it was just that picture. And the guy had just asked, tell me if this is really, tell me this is really happening. So I just went, uh, no, that's, that, that's just for fun. And I tweeted that as a response to his thing. And then I did the hardest thing, which was to just leave it alone <laughs> and leave it up and go to lunch or go to dinner. And then you know, which was like, okay, I think I have to do this. So I just left it there. And then I came back the 24 hours, I waited 24 hours, and then I deleted it. And nobody noticed that it was deleted because it had fallen off the feed. Awesome. And I was, and it was just like, it was, it was, uh, so that was, that was the, the, the uh, scariest part of doing, uh, doing the Star Wars special. But that's, that's still one of my favorite episodes. Absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine the thought of, yeah, who am I going to fire? Oh, honey, I got to fire myself. So yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> who is the jerk who did this? I'm the jerk. It's me. I'm the jerk. Oh, is Disney going to come after? <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. All right. So, Dan, we're, we're all out of questions for you, but we do have sure. a game we want to play with you. Okay, let's let's play it. All right, so here's what we do. Uh, at the end of our interviews, we like to play uh, kind of a quiz game with our, with our guests. Now... Okay. Uh, this does come with some fabulous prizes, however. It's a five-question quiz, okay? So if you get three right. of them right, we'd like to send you one of these super cool I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fun mugs. Okay, excellent. Okay, now if you get uh, four or more right, so four or five, we're going to send you the mug and, of course, this book right here. This is Custodians of the Cosmos, which is written by uh, our group founder, Drayton Allen. Uh, Excellent, said, and uh, it's written loosely based on Star Trek and the red shirts, okay. and it's uh, designed to talk about those who boldly go to clean up after those who boldly just went. Okay, very good. So, uh, and we'll make sure that uh, uh, Drayton puts some graffiti in the front of it for you. Excellent. Uh, before it comes out. So, here's our game. We have five. Okay. Like I said, we have five questions. You get three. Right. You get the mug. You get four or more. You get the mug and the book. If you get All less right. than three, however. Uh, there has to be a punishment, of okay. <laughs> and the punishment is we take your face, we make a meme out of you. Okay, you that's fine. All right, you agree to those terms. Very good. Sure. All right, let's get ready to rumble. All right, with a <laughs> Phineas and Ferb style game. Now, what this is, is we've got these five questions. We sent them out to our Facebook group. Our Facebook group has 104,000 members right now, okay? okay? And we, we put out the question to them, and each of these are multiple choice. 
We want you to pick the one that was the top response answer. Oh, so, oh it's like fam, Family Feud. Yeah, a little yes. bit. Okay, little gotcha. Bit, yeah. So we're going to ask you the question. Um, okay. Kathleen and Nick are going to ask you questions. They'll give you the three responses. You have to pick the one that was the number one response. Okay, let's let, let's see. So Phineas and Ferb have found their way into the Star Wars and Marvel universes. Which should they invade next? Doctor Who, Star Trek, or Firefly? And it's your audience. Yes. Um, I want to say Doctor Who because those those uh, fans are much more rabid. Although Star Trek is a is the bigger of those things. I think it's Star Trek. I think it's Star Trek. You are correct. Yeah, there, there you go. go. All right. So Candace has crash landed in the Alien movies. How yes. does she bust her brothers before mom comes home? Candace thinks Ripley is her mom and the cat and the boys catch a face hugger together. She doesn't bust her brothers. Instead, they all join Ripley to fight the xenomorphs. Or she enlists the help of Ripley to keep things from going away. I think it's uh, it's uh, B. She doesn't bust her brothers and they, and they uh, save the day. That was not the top no, answer in our group. What was it? <laughs> they, the top answer in the group was that they enlist the help of Ripley. That would have been my second. <laughs> so Perry the Platypus has crossed over into the Stargate universe. Who is his nemesis? The Ori. He helps Colonel O'Neill MacGyver a way out of an evil death trap set by the Gaold Amon Doofenshmirtz. Or it's always Doofenshmirtz using Stargate tech for new innators. Uh, I think it's I think it's C. I think it's it's always Doofenshmirtz. Is that right? No. It was B. Yeah. It was B. Yeah. It was B. Okay. <laughs> the one with the with the clearly too much detail. Because yeah. <laughs> you ask nerds questions and they yes. give you too much detail. Yes. So Dr. Doofenshmirtz just created a new innator for the Star Trek red shirts. What innator did he create? The red shirt dianator, the mission success innator, or the Kabashi Maru innator? <laughs> I want to say Kabashi Maru innator. That was not their top no. answer either. Then they it's said B. The, no, they said the red shirt dianator. Dianator, okay, very good. It seems like they already knew how to do that. <laughs> so they are very good at dying, that. yes. Okay. And there's one more question? One more. Yes. one more. Okay. So Phineas and Ferb are now part of Firefly. What are Phineas and Ferb going to do today? Invent outrageous masks so Candace can't bust them. Figure out what it means to be a leaf on the wind. Play with plastic dinosaurs. Curse you, cruel but inevitable plot point. Uh, I figure out how to be a leaf on the wind. No, that's what I thought it would have been. It's too, the third but... one. No, it's the one about masks. We have a weird group. Okay. I probably should have told you that to lead off with. <laughs> so, I, I, I was no a big I was a big Firefly fan <laughs> back in the day, but uh, but I don't remember what the masks are a reference to. That's what I was like. I was like, what? Oh, yeah, I, was, I was lost either. on that one as well. But yeah, all right, so Dan, we're gonna fine. we're gonna take your picture and we're all gonna right, make go a ahead. meme out of you. <laughs> 
hold on. I got to get my camera up here on the phone. <laughs> Zoom in on you. See how long you can hold a face for. There well, we that's go. A good one. There we go. All right. So hey. we'll take that. We'll make a funny meme. Excellent. Funny yet tastefully done meme, of course. Excellent. Uh, about Mr. Dan Pavenmeyer. So excellent. Is there, do you have a website of your own or where people can go? I to don't, more? you know, the, I tell people follow me on TikTok. That's what, that's basically all I do other than work anymore is, is, is do TikTok. That's, that, that's been the thing that's kept me sane during, uh, during COVID yeah. is like, you know, it's like, oh, I don't have, you know, I, I have some free time. I'll make a little movie. <clears throat> put it out there that's really have fun. you done any of the tiktok viral dances because i will need to download tiktok just i have those. not well i mean i did i i did one dance that's uh that somebody was doing for tw 45 days to uh, to uh, this christmas song that i wrote a long time ago that's uh, you know that i've he said i'm gonna do it until christmas or until dan poffenmeyer duets and does it and so i did that <laughs> dance but uh uh, but you know, you, you, mostly I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I, I've done some music videos doing silly rap songs and stuff. I, I've done a lot of collaborations with other uh, things. I have a green screen here. So, I, so I do little skits with my daughters and, st and stuff like that. It's, it's just a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, and you know, I get to, I get to edit video every day, which I, which I really mm -hmm. enjoy doing. So, uh. It's, it's sort of like being in film school again, but I'm making little one minute movies. So all right, we'll fun. be sure to put a link to your TikTok in the sure. description below. And Excellent. Fantastic. Excellent. So yeah, so right. I want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Dan and funny moments for you to listen to. So make sure to subscribe. It helps more than you'll ever know. And also be sure to check out Dan's work on shows like Phineas and Ferb, as well as the upcoming Hamster and Gretel, even though we got a little bit of a wait for that, clearly. But uh, check him out on TikTok. I follow him on TikTok. It's a good time. Uh, Dan has some great content out there. Now, however, if you're not happy with the content of our video today, all you have to do is make a submission, in triplicate, of course, to our complaint department, which will then be forwarded to Dr. Doofenshmirtz, who will use his chicken replacinator to replace the offending party with a chicken that was, of course, Beverly Hills adjacent. <laughs> well, thanks again, Dan, sure. for being on the show. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun, guys. Yeah, we All appreciate right. it. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, right. everybody, for watching. Thank Welcome you. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirts Widows and Orphans Fund which also supports the Witch Upon a Teen Foundation that helps us, that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give the red shirt crewman number 17. He'll know that when he puts on that red shirt and gets murdered on Nimbus 3 when they attack by Cybot's Galactic Army of Light 12 minutes into episode 29, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and is one on Scorched Boot. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the Contact Me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drayton Allen. Original music by Jordan Michaels.
Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at DraytonAllen at DraytonAllen.com.